in, in terms of suffering, this is a minor suffering, but no, my, I just can't get the projector and the screen to work, so. Um, we'll go without that. So, sorry for the delay. I have such great words of wisdom I wanted to put up on the board, and now you don't get to see them. It's just a terrible thing. That's a joke, by the way. <laughs> I get to speak them. Okay. We talked last week about suffering. We kind of used it as an introduction to the virtues because we looked at a passage which talked about suffering producing moral excellence, which is another example, another way of saying the virtues being worked out in our lives. The main thought was, and we'll review that a little bit at the end, is the idea that apart from ourselves and apart from God using suffering in our lives to conform us to his image, to prune us, to make us uh, better qualified, not better qualified, but better equipped to serve him, there is a component that doesn't have to do with us. It has to do with the fact that God is doing something, and he is, in essence, allowing us to declare his glory, that he is worthy of obedience, and he is worthy to be called God. And by that, we put the lie to Satan in his rebellion, when Satan, in his rebellion, said that God is not worthy of obedience. But Suffering affects us very strongly. It affects everyone. Uh, I was in a small group once, and someone shared about their life, and they, we said, uh, we didn't hear too many problems or things you're dealing with. And this young man said, well, I, I don't really have any problems. And we said, give it time. It'll come. <laughs> It'll come. And there's a very human element, and we want to speak about that this morning. And so I've asked my wife, who has been through a very long journey, she'll be the main part of today, uh, I've just asked her to share her story. So I'm going to step aside. Okay, is, besides not having a projector that works, is my wife not here? Or? <laughs> I have a projector that works in just a second. Okay. Yeah, this is also part of suffering, is having to wear glasses if you've never worn glasses, for those of you who know. Here we go. Oh, look at this. Okay. Um, well, then, honey, I'm, I'll go with a little bit of the introduction. Okay. Okay. So let me get the slideshow. Thank you so much, Bruce. Slideshow from the beginning. I went on the internet, which is... Boy, I really thought, if I say I went on the internet and pulled off a definition, I thought, how much credibility am I going to lose in this audience here? Hopefully not much, but I went to Merriam-Webster, I went to many other sources to look for a definition of patience, and uh, actually dictionary.com, I felt, really had the best definition. And so the definition of patience, I reworked it a little bit. It's the quality of being able to bear provocation, annoyance, misfortune, or pain, and here comes the hard part, to bear these things without complaint, loss of temper, irritation, or the like. And yes, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Janet says, oh boy, my thought was, oh, I don't want to talk about this. This makes me mad already. I mean, <laughs> but this is, this is the virtue we're talking about, and this is the Christ-like character we're talking about. Now, 
there was a second definition, and I include it just because it said an ability or a willingness to suppress restlessness or annoyance when confronted with delay. Now, the key here, I want the reason I wanted to bring this up is, yes, when confronted with delay is an issue, but the word suppress is something that concerns me. If you suppress, you'll be fine in that moment and not fine later on. And if you continually suppress, you will be in danger because it will come out. You cannot suppress and suppress your annoyance or your irritation or your anger and not have it eventually come out. So this is not what we're talking about here. We're talking about, and I hope this next slide is, we're talking about two areas, and unfortunately we're only going to have time for the first, two areas where patience is needed is circumstances, which is persevering through trials and difficulties, and then another area which needs really a whole time for itself, as I, I apologize, we won't be able to get to it, but I think some of the principles at the end still apply to this, and that's having the appropriate emotional reaction to difficult people that are in our lives, family, work, whatever it is, all of us have difficult people. You know, for some of you, maybe I'm that difficult person, but whatever it is, we have difficult people in our lives and the appropriate emotional response, godly response and Christ-like response is also something that should be talked about and I hope we'll, we'll be able to do that sometime in the future. So we're gonna focus on circumstances and I've asked Gosha to share because I'll, I used to tend to speak up here and Gosha's gonna talk about the nitty gritty. difference between us. <laughs> so my husband asked me to speak this morning on patience along suffering. And um, when I thought about it, I realized that patience has as if two aspects or two edges, if you like. Um, one is mentioned as the part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit among eight other qualities that a Christian should have. And it is given us by Christ, by his spirit. It talks about it in Galatians 5. Another aspect of it is Christian virtue, which we are able to, to add to our moral excellence, something that we are responsible to do. As God wants us as his children to grow into full maturity of Christ, he is committed to developing Christ-like character in us, and patience must be important, since it is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. As a virtue, patience has been defined by Thomas Aquinas as a part of fortitude, not a separate virtue, along with perseverance. Patience and perseverance are qualities of Christian character which are worked out or developed when it times to it comes to enduring evil. Where am I? I did bring I did bring wrong glasses, so just bear with me. I believe that in each of our lives there are circumstances God allows 
that we wrestle with, some sort of evil, which comes and serves us as an opportunity for us to grow in patience and perseverance. For some, like my youngest son, it may be a job that he hates. For others, like our friends, it's the fact that they cannot have children. Others struggle with wayward children, still some other people with financial stress. It could be many different kinds of hardship, but they come to each of our lives. For me, the evil that came into my life and forced me to grow in patience has been cancer. This church has been praying for me a lot. I've been on that list for as long as I remember, as long as we've been here, to be healed of cancer. But, so most of you know that that's what I'm battling with, but not all of you know how long this struggle has been for me. For the last 18 years, I struggled with cancer. I got it four times, and the last two times in the last four years. Um, did I thank you for all your prayers? I really, really appreciate them. I was first diagnosed with breast cancer at 42 when we were living in Moscow, Russia. It hit me hard. Back then, and especially in that dark country, it felt like getting a, a death sentence. For my husband and me, it was the end of our normal lives and ministry. It is hard to describe the shock, fear, and turbulence we experienced after that diagnosis. All the decisions which had to be made about where to get treatment, about moving to the US, uprooting our children, and entering a different world which we hadn't been aware of, the world of cancer patients. Apart from the trauma and real drama connected with such a diagnosis, another part of uh, going through cancer that's difficult, for me especially, is waiting. I have to confess, I've always been an impatient person. Waiting has been hard for me, especially when the end is not determined. I hate having to wait, which is why I married the phlegmatic, who does everything so slowly that it tries my patience, and I, for whom I usually have to wait. <laughs> when I go shopping and the line for checkout is more than three people, I would rather give up my merchandise I picked out than wait in that line. I hate to fly because it involves so much waiting at the airports. And I really dislike traveling because I just cannot wait to finally get there. Cancer, apart from stress and trauma and uncertainty of the future and worry about your family and many, many other things, uh, involves waiting. If you discover it yourself like I did, you have to wait for the diagnosis. Then you wait for the surgery. After the surgery, you wait for the report and for recovering. Then you wait for chemo. And during treatments, you wait for these days in which you will feel better. You wait for your treatment to be over and for the scan to show no cancer. Afterwards, you wait for your hair to grow back. You also 
subconsciously wait to see if cancer will come back. It seems like there is never a time of not waiting. And that kind of waiting is often accompanied by much anxiety. Once you get the diagnosis of cancer, it is never really over. Especially, like in my case, you get it for the second, third, and fourth time. In the middle of this physical waiting, there is also spiritual waiting, waiting for the Lord, for his guidance in decisions-making process, waiting for him to speak, to comfort, to help, to lift up the darkness, the sadness, to ease the pain, to alleviate that side effect waiting to see if he might heal. Prolonged waiting in difficult circumstances causes stress. And if you don't experience relief, you might lose hope because become disillusioned and cynical. So many times in battling cancer, I, like the psalmist, cried out, how long, O oh Lord, how long? It is interesting that the Polish word for patience has the same root as suffering. And when you suffer for a long time, we call it long suffering. We can wait in different ways, of course. Our attitude can be one of hope and humility or irritation and anger. Usually, it's a mixture depending on your personality and spiritual maturity. I have to admit, there were times in my battle with cancer when I thought I couldn't take it anymore. I was so tired of the pain, the weakness, the waiting for a better day. I lost hope and patience. The opposite of patience is anger, and yes, I got angry. I was angry at, at my fate and angry with God. Why wouldn't he allow in my life to get sick with cancer when others did not? Why wouldn't he intervene? Why did I have to suffer the pain and why did he treat me this way when I gave up so much to follow him, left my home country and my family and went to a foreign country to serve him? I couldn't understand it and I couldn't change it, so I struggled and asked angry questions many times. Sorry. Even in difficult, challenging circumstances, we as Christians are supposed to be patient, to peacefully endure and, perseverance, per, and persevere. How do we do this? How can we patiently endure when it seems to be so, un when it seems to be unjust, and it hurts so much on so many levels, we don't think we can make it. W. L. Walker, a Scottish Bible scholar, says this on patience. Can you put it on? God is called the God of patience as being able to grant the grace to those who look to him and depend on him for it. It is in the reliance on God and acceptance of his will with trust in his goodness, wisdom, and faithfulness that we are enabled to endure and to hope steadfastly. These are key phrases for me here. Reliance on God, acceptance of his will, trust in his goodness, wisdom, and faithfulness. 
acceptance of his will. To me, with each diagnosis, I would just rebel against it. I didn't want it. Trusting in his goodness, where I didn't understand why he allowed so much suffering in my life, was a challenge. How can one trust in God's goodness when it seems the evil is being sent time after time? How can we trust God's faithfulness when we feel we have reached the end of our rope? It is a spiritual battle in which at times we get wounded, but we have to keep on fighting so that we would survive. Thankfully, I wasn't alone in the battle. God has been my companion. We need, oh, just a second. We read in the word that the battle belongs to the Lord. He is on our side in all our battles. I want to tell you how he helped me with my struggles. In 2 Peter chapter 1, we are admonished to apply all diligence to supply to our faith with moral excellence and perseverance. But if we look at the text above in verse 3, we read that his divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him. For he granted to us in his gracious and magnificent promises so that by them we may become partakers of his divine nature. To me, it is the promise that in the process of getting to know God, he has already equipped us with everything we need. Further down in verse 8, another promise that if these qualities, qualities which we are to add to our faith are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I am amazed to think on that. God wants me to grow, to know him, to truly know him, and to become a partaker of his divine nature. James chapter 1 confirms it, stating that we should consider it pure joy knowing that the testing of our faith produces endurance. So this is his method, providing power in the process of testing our faith and helping us on the way to work on our excellency, excellency of our character. He is the one to accomplish it. I, therefore, therefore it is really in reliance on him that we are able to go on. I often talk with a disciple and friend of mine in Poland who is a psychologist and a therapist and she struggles with terrible Lyme disease. Uh, she often helps me by talking about uh, tips on how to alleviate stress and um, how to change my thinking. I talk to her about spiritual things on many occasions, I have shared with how God has worked in my life amidst cancer. There hasn't been much response to her until one day she said, I just don't get it. I don't know how you do it. 
You continue to trust God and walk closely with him despite your ordeal. I was surprised that she said that and blurted out honestly, well, I just don't have a choice. If I don't rely on him and hang on to him for my dear life, I won't survive. And he meets me there. As I look back on my cancer journey, I can see so many ways in which he manifested himself in my trial and helped me to persevere. He worked in my battle with cancer through his word, the Holy Spirit, through his gifts, through his people, and through his intervention. His word came to, used by the Holy Spirit, came in many different ways. It comforted me when it seemed that nothing else in the world would. There were so many times when in my devotions I would read a passage from the Bible which was just what I needed to hear right then. Or a sermon that seemed directed at me and what I struggled with, which gave me hope. At times of darkness, I would hear a message on the radio while driving someplace, which was intended specifically for me to change my perspective and lift my spirit. Many times, God spoke to me before a scan or a doctor's visit, preparing my heart for the news, sometimes uh, bad and occasionally good. Knowing his assistance and involvement in my trial made it possible to persevere. Several times, his word came from a book God dropped in my lap at a particular moment, telling me, things and giving me insights which carried me through. With the first cancer, I really struggled with God's silence, and somehow I got a hold of the book written by Ron Dunn, When Heaven is Silent, which helped me to understand and to go on. When I felt devastated by the diagnosis of the second cancer, and it seemed like my world fell apart, Larry Crabb's book, Shattered Dreams, which someone had suggested, pulled me through, expanded my vision of God, and changed my picture of his purposes in our lives. Margaret Clarkson's book, Grace Grows Best in Winter, answered my question about uh, healing or lack of healing most profoundly, explaining, explaining certain passages of scripture in a way that touched my heart. I remember reading it and crying with gratefulness and writing in the book, that's it, this is God's answer. He has answered me. There were other books written by Francois Fenlon, G.K. Chesterton, C.S. Lewis, Jerry Bridges, Elizabeth Elliot, Anne Voskamp, John Piper, and others, which God used in and helping me to go on. These saints spoke God's truth showing me the way and bringing me closer to God. One of my favorite saints whom God used as a lifeline every time I was drowning actually lives with me. I couldn't have survived without him. In his goodness, God gave me my husband to care for me, but also to be the one God used to deal with my soul. In times of intense struggle, doubt, or pain, 
Roy would use God's word to comfort, to admonish, sometimes to correct me, to help me and to give me peace. I am so deeply thankful for his faith and for his loving care and support. At times of <clears throat> losing hope after a particular serious diagnosis, when I looked from, when it looked from what the doctors said <clears throat> that I didn't have long to live, God intervened. A CT scan at Northwestern over two years ago showed that I had cancer everywhere in my abdomen. And in spite of my pain, they said they wouldn't even perform surgery because it was so great and advanced. We prayed and asked God for guidance, and he led us to Cancer Center Treatments of America, where a doctor suspected a different diagnosis and suggested a massive 13-hour surgery during which they would get rid of all the cancer and give me chemo. It was hard to believe that anyone would want to agree to this kind of ordeal. But as we consulted with other doctors and the surgeon at the clinic, I thought, well, I really doubt that I could subdue, subdue myself to this. But I kept hearing these words in my head, this is the way, walk in it. So we agreed to the surgery knowing well that it may not help me, or it might be that I will die on the operating table. The report after the surgery showed that it was, that I was misdiagnosed at Northwestern, and that surgery was exactly appropriate for the cancer they found, ovarian cancer. The surgery saved my life, God intervened. But the, recovery of the, uh, but the recovery afterwards was the hardest thing I've ever experienced in my life. Though I felt surrounded with angels at the hospital and getting the best possible care, uh, for months afterwards I struggled with nausea, weakness, and pain, at times unbearable. The weakness was so debilitating that a walk from the couch to the <coughs> kitchen or bathroom would exhaust me completely. And here God intervened again. Christmas was coming and we were supposed to spend it with our children because in everybody's mind, it was probably the last Christmas together. I was so weak, I couldn't imagine spending it anywhere but my bed and without company. And that caused me to come to the end of my rope. I cried out, to God that night. Lord, if you don't change the way I feel by tomorrow, I am going to give up completely and prepare a way to meet you, for I cannot go on like that any longer. The next day, I woke up feeling so much stronger, I knew it was a miracle. I firmly believe that all God's doing, speaking to me through a timely sent word, his divine intervention, <laughs> intervention and encouragement and practical help, like from this church. People brought us meals and talked to us and we didn't feel alone because of that and I'm so thankful. And friends who came at the worst times to support me, to, 
to help us. Many people, but I really believe that um, his doings, all, all that he's done for me, is not only because he loved me, he loves me, but also, or even primarily, in answering the prayers of his children on my behalf. It is humbling to know that so many prayed for me over the years, some every day. In the United States, Poland, Russia, and even China. At times I wouldn't I didn't need to be the object of all these prayers because it would mean that I was healed. But it is because of these prayers that I believe I am still here. This past week, after the recent seven rounds of chemo, I had another scan. We got the results we could hardly believe. The report we, we read, there was no cancer anywhere in my body. Obviously, we were overjoyed. The doctor who <coughs> confirmed it looked happy, um, explaining the scan to me. But in the end, he said, the can this cancer will come back in 99.9% .9 of the cases. We just don't know when. I asked him how long does he think the remission will, will uh, be? And he looked at me with a smile and said, I really cannot say, because you, Mrs. Stiff, are beating all the odds. You shouldn't even be alive. Today, as I stand here, I am so happy to be able to share this good news with you. I am not only officially in remission, which could end someday, but what I have learned about God and how I grew in endurance is priceless, and I hope it will bring him glory. And isn't it what it is all about? John Piper, in his message on patience, quoted Romans 12, 12, said, be patient in tribulation for love's sake, that Christ would be glorified. I know I probably could have done better spending, uh, uh, I don't know what this word is, spiritually and persevering, perhaps with less trauma, less drama, less emotions, less complaining and getting impatient. But I know I am a changed person. God helped me and imparted in me some more of his divine nature. I gained a closer walk with God and some more resemblance to Christ, I hope. My faith, having been tested, grew stronger, and therefore the verse in Hebrews 12, which, by the way, incidentally was the motto of the recent uh, All Staff Russian conference, really speaks strongly to me. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, 
the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Thank you. Let me emphasize again that uh, Gosha's recent diagnosis of being in remission defying truly all odds, she should not be here, is because of God's goodness and his answering the prayers of his people. I said this before when I had the homily once that maybe it doesn't mean much for you when we pray here and we simply respond, Lord, hear our prayer. But it does mean something. We are together coming before the throne of God and interceding for our brothers and sisters. And God does respond. Sometimes he doesn't respond like we would want to. Um, I have an absolutely wonderful uh, second part of this talk that you're not going to hear <laughs> because it's uh, about 12.2. I'm just very briefly going to say that there is a Christian paradox that Gosha has talked about and that Matthew has talked about. Matthew, uh, well, Gosha mentioned this verse. It says, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, and etc." cetera. Uh, the key word here is fruit. We usually read this and think, okay, these are the areas that I need to work on. But the fruit means that this is something that the Holy Spirit himself is producing in our lives. You can see that even in the passage of Second Peter that uh, Gosha talked about, seeing that his divine power has granted to us. It's passive on our part. It's been given up to us by God, this divine power, everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. But the paradox depends upon this, is that there's this fruit that God is working in us. Jesus, through his spirit, is working in us. And yet, in this place, and yet in many, many others, it says, now for this reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply or add moral excellence, and then moral excellent knowledge and knowledge, and it goes on a whole list of, of virtues. And so it is not 50-50. Well, God does 50%, and I have to do my 50%. It is 100-100. God is doing his work. And we are to do ours. And if we're at 100% wonderful, and if we're falling down and not making it, that does not change God's 100%, that he is working in us and changing us and conforming us to the image of his son. But we do have that responsibility to be diligent to add um, these things. So I wanted to just pull out of what Gosha said and what I said the week before, and this I will go through very quickly. The elements in growing and perseverance last week was being willing to suffer for God's glory. Not willing to suffer knowing that this will benefit me. Not willing to suffer because God will somehow bring good out of it. Not willing to suffer for his name, but willing to <coughs> suffer for God's glory that he, he will be honored because we're obeying when it's difficult, when it's not easy. Gosha's talked about trust and dependence and not self. I cannot believe the amount of Christian literature I read, sometimes out of my own organization, which talks about you have to believe in yourself. 
So I'm just going to give you my opinion on one person. But Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1.9, Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. I think a lot of these things, trials that we go through, that we all go through, is that God is releasing our grip on our own self-reliance. When we get a, a diagnosis of cancer, we can probably think, I can get through this. Yes, you can, because Jesus can get you through this, not to rely on self. So this depending on Jesus, God will take us to the end until we finally go, I can't do it. The word of God, and not as an intellectual exercise, but the word of God seeking his will, his comfort. I did an exercise recently in Ephesians chapter 1. Now, for those of you who know, and that's probably most of you, starting in verse 3, you have the longest sentence. <laughs> Someone's just opened the door and come in. So you have the longest sentence in the Greek New Testament, the, all these tremendous truths. And rather than studying them, I simply went through and thanked God for them and praised him as a spiritual exercise to change our perspective, going quicker. But this I have to say, prayer, part of these spiritual disciplines that add to perseverance, it's honest prayer. How many of you have heard of C.S. Lewis? There we go. How many of you have read Until We Have Faces? Oh, great. I love this audience. I love this, <laughs> I love this congregation. One at the end of the book has one of the most powerful explanations of prayer and the problems we have. It is honest prayer. The prayer is that Job lifted up and said, I don't agree, I don't understand, and I don't like it. God knows your heart. Why would we ever try to put on a false front? But honest prayer and raising up our voices to God. And I think I'll have to close with this as much as I would like to go on. The Body of Christ. There were books that really helped Gosha, and there were books that had helped me. I hesitate to mention it because we tend to read books more than scripture, and I really would prefer that we read scripture. But books and sermons sometimes are exactly what we need. We love Ron Dunn. But also the body of Christ is we, and I mean myself as well, but Gosha and I would not have gotten through this, and we're still working through it. Please do not take us off the list of those dealing with cancer. <laughs> because the doctor said this will come back outside of a miracle of the Lord. But the believers around us are so key. Now, very often I hear people say, well, I don't go or I don't call because I don't know what to say. Well, then don't say anything. Just show up. We had a situation in Russia one time where we had a team in Ufa, never mind where that is, Muslim Republic. And they were being really hassled by the secret police and in the verge of getting thrown out. And I went out there to be with them. And at the end of the time, they did get thrown out. And at the end of the time, everyone said, oh, we are so grateful that you came. You were just so helpful. And I thought, I didn't say anything. I didn't do anything, but I was just there. When people are going through trials and difficulties, it is being there and showing up. Some other time, we'll get into faith, giving thanks, without which we're really not going to grow, and then rejoicing, because I did want to end that. We are also commanded to rejoice, and when you can't, try singing and try hymns. So I'm hoping these practical things from what we've been sharing will help you in your perseverance. Thank you. <laughs>